Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. My name's Randy Thomas. I am the campus pastor of our soon-to-be-launching North Udawa uh, location. I'm excited to be sharing and continuing in our series with you this morning. For the last three months, we have been learning and growing together as we've been looking at a sermon that Jesus delivered on a Palestinian hillside one day. And, and, and if you are new to Silverdale or maybe you're still kind of checking us out and, and have missed this series, uh, you need to go back online and check out some of the topics that we have talked about because we've we've talked about relationships we've talked about communication we've talked about intimacy proper motives finances uh confrontation and about six other really important topics if you you haven't been here for that you really ought to go back and listen to those because it's been a fantastic series and so where we are right now is matthew chapter 7 verse 7 through 11 is where we'll be this morning as we look at jesus words in regards to prayer Now, verses 7 and 8 will be real familiar verses for most of us, verses that most of us have heard before, but we'll get there in just a second. All my life, I have, I've been taught to pray. When I was a kid, my parents would tuck me in in bed at night, and we would say a prayer. Um, I went to a school where we prayed before our meal each day at lunchtime. Uh, just, just about every day, I went to a, a church where we prayed. I was taught to pray. Uh, my parents taught me to pray. I've got books on my bookshelf right now, probably a dozen or more about prayer. I've heard countless sermons on prayer, uh, even been to conferences and seminars on prayer. And just about all of us have some sort of experience in our lives with prayer. Some of us would say, hey, my experiences with prayer have not been so great. Some of us would say, hey, I've had great experiences in my life with prayer. Maybe when you were a kid, you were, you were taught some, some prayers to memorize, like a lay me down, now I lay me down to sleep or something like that. Or uh, maybe some prayers that you said before you, you would eat and, and reciting maybe the Lord's Prayer or whatever. But we all have different experiences. Maybe you didn't pray at all growing up, but you got to college and found out you had a big test that you didn't study for. And all of a sudden you got religious and you started praying and asking God to help you with that test. But we've all got some kind of experience when it comes to prayer. When my kids were little, my wife and I would teach our kids to pray, and we would uh, pray with them at night before they would go to bed. Uh, we would kind of take turns at the mealtime of, of whose turn it was to pray for the food. I can remember one time in particular my, when my son was real little, he came to the dinner table and he surveyed the food that was on the table, and he said, I don't like any of this, I'm not eating. And I said, hold up a second. You're not going to talk like that, and if your mom made it, you are going to eat it, but we're not going to act like that. Well, he he started to pout, and he kind of stuck his bottom lip out, and I could tell where we were headed with this. It was going to be a long night. And so we all sit down at the dinner table, and I said, you know what, Cody? I think it's your time to pray for the food tonight, because I could see where we were headed. And so we all bow our heads and pray, and uh, Cody looks down, and he says, dear God, please help us to have something good to eat tomorrow night for dinner. Amen. (laughs) True story. All of us have different, different backgrounds with prayer. If you look back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 through 15, we looked at this just a few weeks ago in our series. Jesus has already talked about prayer in this sermon. 
Uh, In that passage there, Jesus told his followers not to be hypocrites about their prayer life. Uh, He he told them that their prayer life was not something that they should show off in front of other people, but it should be a, a private exchange, a private conversation between them and their heavenly father. Then in the next few verses there, he gives us what we call the Lord's prayer, maybe should be more termed a model prayer that Jesus gave for us. But, but then just really in, for the second time now in this one passage of scripture, kind of in one flip of the page in your Bible, Jesus is talking about prayer again. Now, Scripture tells us that Jesus prayed. Jesus had conversations between he and his heavenly Father. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He teaches us to pray. And so when we see all of that and those principles in God's word, I believe that it's very important that we get a firm grasp on prayer. I think it's important, a very important spiritual discipline that all of us understand and we know uh, how to accomplish in our life. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 17, the Apostle Paul gives us this admonition. He says, pray without ceasing. This needs to be something going on in our life all the time. It needs to be a conversation all day long with God that we have. However, it seems like prayer is one of the most neglected and seemingly one of the most meaningless disciplines in the lives of many followers of Jesus. We don't seem to do it that often and we really don't seem to get that much out of it if we'd all just kind of be honest with each other this morning. Renowned theologian Hans Kung wrote a 688-page theology book entitled On Being a Christian. It's for sale. You can get it today on Amazon. Uh, But a, a theology book, very exhaustive on the Christian life. I copied and pasted the description of this book from Amazon to my notes. Let me read it to you. This is a description of this book. It says it's an international bestseller by one of the century's most prominent theologians. On Being a Christian is a work of exhaustive scholarship born out of the author's passionate belief in Jesus Christ as the center of existence. On Being a Christian reexamines what it means to be a Christian today. However, in the 688 pages of theology, there is not one chapter or even one index entry on the subject of prayer. When the theologian was asked, what happened to prayer in your book? Here's what his response was. I forgot. True story. He said there was pressure from the publishers to get everything done and get it in on time. And when it came to prayer, I just simply forgot. Unfortunately, I think when it comes to our spiritual life, there's a lot of us that we'd say when it comes to prayer, we just kind of forget Man, I, I've got so many things going on in my life and I'm busy and it's, it's all I can do maybe sometimes to spend some time reading God's word. But when it comes to prayer, yeah, we, we'll pray for our food. If we, if we think about it, sometimes if we're with the kids or whatever, before we go to bed, we'll say a prayer. But when it really comes to prayer and having a spiritual life of prayer, we just kind of forget. And I think if I could secretly poll the audience this morning, I would find out that, that many of us would say, we feel like our prayers are really ineffective and and maybe even would say we feel like they're a waste of time we seldom see results and we seldom see answers that seem to be clear for what we've been asking and if we would ask ourselves sometimes hey is is god even really listening does god hear my prayers i've heard christians ask me this question Maybe, maybe I just don't know how to pray. Maybe that's it, Randy. Maybe I don't know how. Is there, there a book that you could give me? Is there a, a conference or a seminar I could go to where I could learn to pray? Maybe I'm just doing the whole thing wrong. Is, is, is there something else I need 
to learn. Richard Foster wrote a book entitled Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. And in the very first chapter of this book, Foster gives us what I believe is one of the most powerful principles on prayer that I've ever learned. And here it is, very simply. He says, we learn to pray by praying. Very simple. We learn to pray by praying. See, Jesus gives us in Scripture a model prayer, and Scripture talks a lot about prayer. But you learn to pray by praying. You don't have to say any fancy words. You don't have to get down on your knees. You don't have to be in a church sanctuary someplace. It's just a conversation that you have with God and you learn to pray by praying. It's a conversation that that includes, but is not limited to, adoration of God. It, It includes petitioning God. It includes listening to God. And I think the listening to God is a thing that a whole lot of us miss sometimes is, is our prayers are more just the, the, the petitioning God. God, I want this and I want this and I want this and I need this and I need it and I need it all by this afternoon if you could wrap it up and make it happen. Thanks, God. I'm out of here. But, but prayer is adoration of God. It's petitioning of God. Listen, and it's listening to God as he speaks back to us as well. So Jesus gives us some important words as we go to this next section of the scripture. He gives us in John chapter 7, verse 7 through 11, follow along with me, the second time he's talking now about prayer. Jesus says, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? At least those two verses, verse 7 and 8, are probably very familiar verses to most of us. The ask, the seek, the knock. We've, we've heard these talked about. And it's an incredible promise in God's word that God gives to us. Hey, ask me, seek me, knock, and, and you'll get what you're asking for. You'll find an answer. Jesus is talking about coming to God in prayer. And, in, and we see this incredible promise. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Now... On the surface, this sounds wonderful. And it's the basis for a lot of wrong theology. It's the basis for a lot of the, the prosperity, name it and claim it theology. It's, it's just whatever you ask for God, he's going to give it to you because he's promised there. So it's just like this cosmic vending machine where you put in your, your, your token of prayer and God has to pop out whatever you ask for him to give you. It's like God's this this genie in the sky and if we rub the magic lamp, then God pops out and he has to give us whatever we ask for because he's he's bound to this promise here. If we'll just ask, seek, and knock, then God's got to give us whatever we ask for. But that's not what Jesus is teaching here. Now, hear me. This promise, the ask, seek, knock promise, it's an incredible promise, but hear me, it is not an unconditional promise that turns God into our slave to do whatever we ask him to do. As a matter of fact, there's some limits, there's some, uh, there, there are some things that, that are some parameters that are placed on this promise, and if we use some, some, some correct methods of biblical interpretation, we'll find out what those are. See, you've got to look first at the context of this passage of Scripture. What do these verses that come before this have to say about prayer? 
Who's the audience here? Jesus is talking to a group of his followers. So the first thing that we need to understand about this promise, look there on your notes, is this. This promise is for believers. The promise that Jesus is giving with the ask, seek, knock is for those of us who are believers, who are followers of Jesus. So this promise, this prayer is not, shake your head, it's not for unbelievers, okay? What is the prayer that Jesus, that God hears from an unbeliever? There's only one prayer. It's when an unbeliever comes to him in faith and says, I want to be a believer now, and I'm believing what you say, and so now I'm placing my faith and trust in you. That's the prayer that God hears from an unbeliever. But this promise is for followers of Jesus. This promise is for his children only. My children know that they can come to me and they can ask me for anything. They know that. Now, they know that they're not always going to get it, but they know that they can come and ask. Sometimes my kids come very boldly and just, Dad, I need this, please help. Sometimes they're kind of timid if they're asking for something crazy or big. But they know that they can come and ask me because as their father and as my children, they can come and ask me. Now, here's the flip side of that. Your children can't come and ask me for stuff, okay? Because they're not my kids. They're your kids. And so your kids got to ask you, my kids ask me. And this promise that God gives us is for his children. A few years ago, I was at summer camp with our teenagers. After the service each night, the the students would go to the snack barn, get a Coke or candy or something. And I was kind of standing there and my son Cody walked by and he said, dad, can I have some money for a Coke and a candy bar? So I pulled some money out and I gave it to him. Well, there were about three guys that were standing a few feet away and they were watching what had happened, but they didn't know that Cody was my son. And so they came up and they said, hey, Pastor Randy, can we have some money for some Coke and candy? You know what I said? No, you can't. You can use your money, but Cody's my son. Cody can come and ask me for what he wants, but you can't. God makes this promise for his children. Now, not only do we have to look at the the context of the passage of Scripture, but we've got to interpret Scripture in light of other Scripture. What's Jesus already said about prayer in this passage of Scripture? In chapter 6, verse number 10, Jesus said, Your kingdom come, your will come be done. So here's, here's kind of the second parameter of this, this promise. The first thing is this promise is for believers. Here's the second thing. When we pray, we've got to pray in submission to the will of God. When we pray, we pray in submission to the will of God. So the ask, seek, knock is just not, hey, I'm going to ask for whatever I want, seek for it, knock for it. God, I'm, I'm, I want a new car, a new Lamborghini, and I want to, no, it, it's not how it works. We pray in submission to the will of God. 1 John 5 verse 14 says it this way. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to, what are those next two words? His will, he will hear us. I want to read that again and I want you to say those two words. You ready? And this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So when we ask, when we come and ask, seek, and knock, we've got to come in submission to the will of God. No place in the Lord's Prayer, no place in the model prayer do you see Jesus coming and asking for extra stuff, does he? He says, our Father which art in heaven, you know how it goes. But nowhere in there does he say, and I'd love to have a pair of Gucci sandals to go with my robe. He doesn't say that. I'd love to have a bass boat to go across the Sea of Galilee. I'd look really cool in that. He doesn't talk like that. He's saying, 
Your will be done. Your kingdom come. He's saying, Jesus, Jesus is saying, Father, I want to be in so close communion with you that all I am desiring is for your will to be done. Back in the late 50s and early 60s, Bobby Richardson played second base for the New York Yankees. Fantastic baseball player. Won five gold gloves, seven all-star games. Incredible baseball player. But Bobby Richardson used to pray a very, very concise and very simple prayer that, that so much illustrates this point. This is what he used to pray. He would say, dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. Pretty simple. Dear God, your will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Amen. God, whatever you want for my life, that's what I want for my life. I don't want to be asking for stuff that's not in accordance with your will. So when we pray, we must pray in submission to the will of God. What else have we seen just in this last chapter about Jesus when he's talking about seeking? In chapter 6, verse 33, what does Jesus say? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So when we ask, seek, and knock, we must be sure that whatever we're asking, seeking, and knocking for is in line with God's kingdom and his righteousness. So the ask, seek, knock principle, the promise, it's for believers. It's for followers of Jesus. When we pray, we must pray in submission to the will of God. Here's number three. When we pray, we've got to come to him with right motives. Right motives. What is, what, what's my motive when I come to God in prayer? What's my purpose behind that? James said in James 4, verse 2 and 3. He said, yet you do not have what you want because you do not ask for it. Look at me for just a second. This is convicting to me because there's a lot of stuff in my life that I may need. I've just never taken the time to ask God for it. How many things in our lives are we missing out on just because we've never asked? James says there's, there's stuff that you need, there's stuff that you want. You don't have it just because you never asked for it. He goes on. He said, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives you pleasure. So the ask, seek, knock principle, we've got to make sure that we're asking God with the right motives. I heard a story about a guy named Kenneth Bruner. Kenneth prayed a prayer of protection for he and his best friend right before they robbed a jewelry store in Ohio. <laughs> That's praying with the wrong motives. If you want your prayers to be answered, listen, you got to ask yourself, why am I asking this? What's my motive? Is this going to help me to become more, more like a follower of Christ? Am I going to be able to bless other people as a result of it? Hear me this morning. If being a follower of Jesus Christ is not your top priority, you're going to quickly discover that there is a barrier between your prayers and God. If, if pleasing him and your life following after him is not your top priority, man, there's going to be a barrier between your prayers and God. Here's a, a fourth thing, a fourth parameter of this promise. Number four, when we come and ask, we need to be living in obedience. When you come and ask, you got to be living in obedience. So there's this ask, seek, knock principle. It's for believers only. We've got to come in submission to the will of God. We've got to ask with the right motive. And we've got to be living in obedience when we come. 
The psalmist David said it this way in Psalm 66, 18. He said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Man, what a, what a convicting verse. If I've got sin in my life, if I've got unconfessed sin, if I've got things that I'm hiding in my heart and I'm not taking care of those between me and God and those are building up, the Bible says that God's not listening to my prayer. How crazy is that to think I need to get a hold of God, but I can't because there's so much unconfessed sin in my life. And so when I come to him in prayer, I've got to do so with a heart of obedience. But if I'm walking in obedience to Christ, then our prayers have power and God will answer them. First John three, verse 21 and 22 says this, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and we do what pleases him. If you want this phenomenon of answered prayer to become a part of your life, then we've got to be living in obedience. If you're a parent, you understand this. If your kids say, you know what, I'm not doing anything you asked me to do around here. I'm not cleaning my room. I'm not doing any of that kind of stuff. But hey, after lunch today, can we go by Sweet Frog and get some ice cream? You know what? You're going to say, no way. Who in the world would ask that? Oh, well, I, I want this or I want that. Don't ask because you're not being obedient. If my daughter said to me, hey, dad, this whole cleaning the room thing, it's just crazy. I'm not doing that. And making the bed, I'm just going to get back in it tonight. So there's no really reason to make it. And helping with the dishes, I don't, I don't really like that. And vacuuming, that's really beneath me. I'm not doing that. Not taking the dog out anymore, not feeding him. But hey, this weekend, some of my friends are going to the movie, so I need some money for gas and for food and for a movie ticket. I would say, you, who do you think you are? Where do you get the nerve to ask me that? You're not living in obedience around the house, so why would I want to give you any more blessings? And I think so many times we live for ourselves and we do our own deal and we go our own way and we say, whatever, God, I'm not interested in that. And then we say, oh, wait, God, I need a job. Wait, God, I I, I need some money. Wait, God, I can't can't get along with my spouse. Wait, God, my kids are acting bad. I need your help. And God says, really? You won't do anything that I ask you and now you want some extra blessings on top of that? When we come to God, we have to come to him in obedience. All three of these verses, the verbs in them are present imperatives. It's as if Jesus is saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, do not give up. There seems to be a a rising level of intensity as Jesus is speaking here. When he first says ask, it's, it's coming to God with our needs. It's like a child would come to their father the first time and say, hey, dad, I need this. Dad, I need some help. And and Jesus says, just come. Just come to your heavenly father and just ask. But it gets a little more intense. And then he says, seek. There's more to it than asking. You need to seek. You add the element of responsibility. We're not just passively asking anymore. We're involved in doing what God has revealed. Let me give you an example. I need a job. And so I'm sitting on my sofa at home. And so I'm praying and I say, God, I need a job. Please, God, please help me. I need a job. That's the asking part. Now it's time to seek. I'm going to put a resume together. 
I'm going to send it out to some people. I'm going to make some phone calls. I'm going to network. I'm going to seek to do what I can to follow up my responsibility after the asking. And then it gets to the next level where Jesus says, knock. It's even more intense. Don't give up. Pound on the door until somebody answers. A number of years ago, my family, we were living in Texas. And it was a Saturday morning early. My wife wasn't feeling well. I said, you know what? Just sleep in. I'll get up with Cody. He was a toddler at the time. I said, I'll get up with him. Let him run around in the backyard. You just rest. So I sent Cody out into the backyard. He was running around. And I was tired, so I laid down on the sofa. And I hear a knock at the front door. Well, I assume he must have run around the backyard and then couldn't get in the front door. It's early on a Saturday. And so I said, Cody, just go back around to the backyard. I'm not going to get up and open the door. Just go back around the backyard. Kept on knocking. Cody, just go to the backyard. Go back around the way that you came. You can get in that door. Happened two or three, four times. Finally, I said, just go around. And I put the pillow on top of my head. I said, just go around to the backyard. Just a second later, knock, knock, knock. I'd had it. I got up and I took the pillow and I flung it across the room. I went over and I opened the front door and I said, are you trying to drive me crazy? And it was two Jehovah's Witnesses standing there. (laughs) But they were persistent. And they kept on knocking, and they kept on knocking, and they kept on knocking until I answered the door. Jesus is saying, don't give up. Just keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. In verses 9 and 10, Jesus brings up two staples in the Jewish diet in those days, bread and fish. And he says this, he said, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? If they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? And Jesus said, of course not. The people in Jesus' day were were very heavily influenced by Greek culture. The Greeks had their own mythology concerning relationship between the gods and humanity. And if you ever read Greek mythology, you know that these how awful these deities were towards men and women. The Greek gods referred to uh, preferred to torment people. And Jesus is saying to his followers through this example, he's saying, the true God. Our heavenly father is nothing like the mythological gods. He's a perfect, loving father. He has our best in mind. He's on our side. He's pulling for us. And he wants to meet our needs more than even we want them to be met. There there were rocks at that time in that region that looked a whole lot like the bread that they would make. And so when Jesus gives this example, they know exactly what he's talking about. He, He says, who... Who, if their kid says, Dad, can I have some bread, goes outside and picks up a rock and says, you know what? This kind of looks like the the rolls that they have at Logan's before your steak comes. It's kind of what this looks like. So I'm going to give this to my son. This is going to be hilarious. And he's hungry, so he's not going to feel around on it. He's just going to put it in his mouth. He's going to break his teeth. This is going to be hilarious. Watch this. We need to get this on video and put it on YouTube. This is going to be great. Jesus said nobody would do that. How, how dumb would that be to do something that would hurt your child? It's like if my kid said, hey, dad, I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm hungry. And I said to my wife, watch this. It's going to be great. I'm going to give him a peanut butter and petroleum jelly sandwich. This could be disgusting. Watch, watch, watch. I'm going to eat it. Nobody would do that. My kid said, hey, could I have a glass of milk? And so I went to the back of the refrigerator and I found some old nasty, chunky milk. And I plop, 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 put it in a glass and I slid it over there and trying to keep from laughing and I gave it to him and said, watch this, it's going to be great. Jesus says nobody would do that. Of course not. Why? 
Because we, we love our kids and we want to give them the very best that we have. Nobody would withhold that from their kids. And Jesus is saying, if you who are sinners don't want to give bad things to your kids, imagine how much better it is that our God wants to do for those that he loves. He loves us and he, he's got our, our best in mind and he's a perfect parent. Now, as we close this morning, let me give you real quickly three characteristics of effective prayer. We've got this ask, seek, knock principle, the parameters that come with that. But I want you to be effective in your prayer. So here's three things, just very simply, that you can incorporate into your prayer life. Here we go. We'll be done in just a couple minutes. Number one, pray specifically. Pray specifically. Oftentimes, we don't see results in our prayers because we don't ask for anything specific. Our prayers are just so general. God bless everybody in the world. I'm really tired. Thanks for the day. Help me to sleep good. Uh, I pray for all the missionaries and the people all over the world that never heard. In Jesus' name, amen. And we don't pray for anything specific. It's like, um, maybe you've prayed a prayer kind of something like this. Dear Lord, please be with Cousin Norbert in a special way. Bless him and make his life wonderful. Have you ever stopped to think about what you're saying? You, You haven't prayed for anything specific. Imagine as a parent, you're getting ready to go out on a date night and you've got babysitter Betty and she's come over to the house and she's going to watch your kids. And before you go out, you say to babysitter Betty, hey, uh, I ask that you be with our children tonight in a special way. Please make their life wonderful. You got any questions? No, you wouldn't say that. What would you say? You say, babysitter Betty, the kids need to be in bed by nine o'clock. They can have one snack before uh, their bath. And please make sure that they finish their homework. You can reach us at this number if you have any questions. You're specific with Babysitter Betty, but we want to be just general with God. Listen, be specific. When you pray, pray specifically. Whatever you are believing and trusting God for, ask him specifically. Nothing is too small to bring before God. Sometimes people say, well, God's just so busy. He's got, you know, wars and, and he's got to make sure the sun comes up and the moon comes out and he's got stars to take care of and the oceans and the tides and there's sick kids. God doesn't care about all the things going on. Yes, he does. If everybody on the planet prayed at the exact same time, God's still okay. He can handle it. Scripture tells us that we're all right here in the palm of his hand. I think he can handle all of our prayers. And he cares about the specific things in your life. If scripture teaches us that he cares about how many hairs are on your head, and some of us, that's not very many, and some of us a lot. If he cares about that, he cares about what's going on in your life. Listen, we prayed about lost contact lenses. We prayed about lost toys. We prayed about uh, lost keys at my house. We pray about everything. Anybody else in here besides me prayed for a lost remote control at TV? I've done that. I prayed for up-close parking places when I'm in a hurry because I believe that God cares about everything going on in my life. Pray specifically. Letter B, pray confidently. Pray confidently. Romans 8, 14 to 16 says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves and said you've received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Listen, we're God's children. Therefore, we can come to him with confidence and we can confidently trust in his character and we can confidently trust in the fact that he's answered our prayers in the past. When I was a kid, many times after school, I would go over to my dad's office. 
My dad's office right here, and right outside of his office was his assistant's office. And if you wanted to get in to see my dad, you had to go and talk to Debbie. You had to make an appointment with Debbie. So if anybody wanted to make an appointment, they had to go see her first. But when I would walk in, I would walk right past Debbie's desk and I would wave at her and I would walk right into the door, right into my dad's office. I never asked Debbie if I could have an appointment. I never asked her permission. You know why? Because that was my dad. I'm his son. And I have confidence and had confidence that I could walk right into his presence and no matter what was going on, if he was having a meeting, if he was on the phone, no matter what he was doing, he would stop and take time for me as his son. Listen, nobody else had that ability. Nobody else had that confidence to walk right in. But because I was and am his child, I could confidently walk right into his presence and we can do the same thing with our heavenly father as his children. You don't have to ask anybody else's permission. You don't have to be in a specific place. You can confidently go to the Father because you are his child. Pray specifically, pray confidently. Here's letter C and finally, pray persistently. Pray persistently. When we're children, we don't seem to have a problem praying persistently or asking persistently, do we? Can I have a cookie? No. Can I have a cookie? No. You just keep asking. Finally, your parents says, okay, stop. You're going to have a cookie. Quit asking. As kids, we don't have a problem being persistent. But as adults, sometimes we just give up. One time we were in a restaurant and up at the front of the restaurant, they had video games and we were done eating. And my son Cody said, dad, could I have a, a dollar to go and play video games? And I said, I don't have any dollars. He said, could I have some quarters? I said, Cody, I don't have any quarters. How about dimes? No dimes. About nickels? No nickels. Pennies? No pennies. And I'll never forget what he said next. He said, Dad, would you look? It was amazing how many dollars and quarters and dimes and nickels and pennies were in there when I looked. But all throughout my life, The rest of my life since then, I've had the Holy Spirit bring that story back to my mind when I've needed to be persistent with God. And not just give up after the first time that I ask, but just keep asking. Jesus said, keep asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep seeking, keep knocking. And Jesus' point is that the persistent seeker will find what they are looking for. They find answers. Now listen, the persistent seeker doesn't always get what they are asking for, but we always get an answer when we ask, seek, and knock. If God doesn't give me what I'm asking for, I can trust in him that there is a reason. And persistence helps me discover what that reason is. Bill Hybels wrote a book entitled, Too Busy Not to Pray. He helps us understand in that book what God is up to when it comes to answered prayer. Listen to what he has to say. He said, when I'm praying, if the request that I'm asking is wrong, God says no. If the time is wrong, God says slow. If I am wrong, God says grow. But if my request is right and the timing is right and I am right, God says go. You see, there's, there's this misconception that, that prayer is just getting God to give me whatever I want. Actually, prayer is a means by which God changes me. 
And if we are persistent in our prayer, God shapes us to be what he wants us to be. Prayer is surrendering to the will of God. Think about it this way. If I'm in a boat and I've got a rope and I've got a hook on the end of that rope and I throw it and I catch the land and I begin to pull on that rope, am I pulling the land to me or am I pulling me to the land? Prayer is not pulling God to my will. Prayer is aligning my will to the will of God. So Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. You're going to find what you're looking for. Yes, there are some things that you got to do. This is for believers. You got to ask in submission to my will. There's some some parameters to that, but it's an incredible promise that God gives to us. And if we want to see things effectively happen in our life, pray specifically, pray confidently, and pray persistently. Don't give up. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. And you'll find what you're looking for. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.